We welcome you to the 2021 Eschatology Series, a series that unfolds the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is based on the book of Revelation. Let's get started. Surrounded by your glory, 
We welcome all of our new listeners to the 2021 Eschatology series, verse by verse, on the book of Revelation. We are on number 59 in our series, and it's titled, The Harlot Takes Action. Let's review our scripture for today. It's out of Revelation 17, 1 through 7, and it says... Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations." and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Then I saw her, I wondered greatly, and the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, 
which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Babylon has been a topic in biblical history since the beginning of the Tower of Babel. Let's take a look at the fall of Babylon. In chapter 14, we learned about the announcement of the fall of Babylon. Under the seventh vial, we are seeing how God accomplishes this prophecy. After verse 8 of chapter 14, events unfold that occur after the outpouring of the seventh vial. This is critical to understand, to reason with the passages of chapter 17 and 18. Even though there are many speculations about Babylon's empire, particularly in Revelation's book, Babylon's topic is of great importance in the unfolding of the book of Revelation. To gain Babylon's right perspective, we need to keep these verses in context with God's word and place less attention on man's clever ideas. Here are a few points we need to keep at the forefront of our study. Satan is the master of all counterfeits. All of his plans and deceptive maneuvers are replicated from God's original. For example, God has a trinity, which as we know is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Satan has his counterfeit, the dragon, which is Satan, the beast, which is the Antichrist, and of course the false prophet. God has his ordained leaders and preachers, and so does Satan, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. God has his woman, Israel, that's found in Revelation 12, and Satan has his woman, the great whore, which is in our passage today. One woman is of God and the other is of none other than that of Satan. Let's talk about these two Revelation mothers. Both women stated in Revelation are indeed mothers. The first brought forth a son who rules the nations. The second is the mother of harlots, which we discover in our present passage. Both women are dressed in majestic beauty. The first is dressed in heavenly attire, light from heaven. The second woman is dressed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. The first woman has the moon, power of darkness, under her feet. The second rule over the earth's kings. Both mothers suffer amid battles. The first one is the battle of the dragon to save her child from being destroyed by using the dragon to drive the children into the wilderness. Who are these children? Well, it is none other than the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews who are considered the final remnant of the children of God. The second woman suffers at the hands of the ten kings who initially support her, but now make her naked, alone, literally eat her flesh and burn her with fire. 
by the allowance of God, I might add. Both of these women hold great positions of power on the earth, but only one holds the power of heaven. The first is pure and the second is stained with immorality and sin. One represents the God of true masculinity and the other feminized impurities. One is carried on the wings of angels and the Antichrist carries the other. One has upon her head a crown of twelve stars and the other the name of the destroyer and is drunk with the blood of the bridal members of Jesus Christ. Last but not least, one takes up her place at the right hand of God and the other in the eternal, damnable hell. Let's take a look at our chart. We have three columns there. The first column is the descriptive and the second and third column are the two women stated in the book of Revelation. First one is motherhood. As you can see there is brought forth a son who rules the nations. That is none other than Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who is going to lead all nations as king of kings. The other is the great whore, the mother of harlots. She is representative of all those who practiced immorality and who have been drunk with the blood of the saints. Second descriptive is dressed in the majestic beauty. Of course, woman Israel is dressed in heavenly attire, which is literally the light from heaven. Whereas the whore is dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. People have always been deceived by the appearance of the wealthy. She definitely comes in this descriptive. Next we have rulers. Woman Israel has the moon or the power of darkness under her feet, clearly revealing that she, Israel, has the power over darkness through Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. The great harlot rules over the kings of the earth. There's going to be ten of them. Seven of them are the seven continents that are on the earth today. Of course, that leaves us three. Those three kings are the triune elements and personhood of the Antichrist. Next, we have great positions of power on the earth. Woman Israel holds the power of heaven and is pure, righteous, and truly born of the living God. Whereas the harlot is stained with immorality and sin, she is the queen bee of all sin, and has full control of all of those who have refuted the message, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Next we have the battles. Woman Israel battles the dragon, Satan, to save her child from being destroyed, using the dragon to drive the children, the pure bloodline, into the wilderness. We'll speak more about that later. The harlot, on the other hand, suffers at the hands of the ten kings who initially support her, but now make her naked, alone, and they end up eating her flesh and then burning what's left by fire. 
All of this is not only prophetic in nature, but it is totally and completely allowed by God. Next we have representation. Woman Israel represents God, the Father, who is truly saturated in true masculinity. God, the Son, who also is the representative of God's masculinity to the world. Whereas the great whore represents the feminized impurities that have penetrated and dominated the world at the time of her arrival. Yes, you heard that correctly. The great harlot will be feminine in nature. She will be the leading representative of feminism in every form. Then we look at transportation. Woman Israel of course, is carried on the wings of angels, whereas the whore is carried by the dragon, the Antichrist. Then we have head markings. Woman Israel is crowned with 12 stars upon her head. Those 12 stars represent the 12 tribes of the living God who are pure Hebrew. In fact, they're pure bloodline Jews. Whereas the woman... Sitting on the back of the Antichrist, a name was written on her forehead, the name of the Destroyer, and she is drunk with the blood of the bridal members of Jesus Christ. That's all of us true, born-again, indwelt Christians. Next, we have eternity. Woman Israel takes her place at the right hand of God, whereas the whore takes her place at the right hand of Satan. The place she represents as none other than the eternal damnable hell. Finally, we have lovers. Woman Israel is one lover, the lover of God. The lover of God's Son, who is Jesus Christ, which as we progress into the study of the book of Revelation, we're going to quickly see that woman Israel or the true bridal member of Jesus Christ will celebrate a wedding feast. Whereas the whore loves multiple lovers, whoredom at its best, she will propagate adultery, fornication, and any form of immorality. In those days, immorality will be normal, natural, and neutral, at least for those who have refuted Jesus Christ. As you can see, Satan is the counterfeiter of all counterfeits. These two women are arch-rivals in every sense of the word. They are complete opposites, both representing the character of whom they serve. Now let's take a look at the great harlot. God notes the second woman as this great harlot. She bills herself with the title and appearance to be proud of it. In the Hebrew, the word harlot means debauched worship, idolatry, and false devotion. She knows people who do not worship God will create a God of their own making. They will follow a system of doctrines, customs, and rituals that support an image pleasing to Satan. She doesn't care what the idol looks like because all images that do not match God's original image directly or indirectly 
serve Satan. This is why we have so many religions in the world today. Satan doesn't care what religion becomes predominant in the end, for he knows they all serve him. Since Satan is a god of indirect worship, the individual's preference of worship doesn't really matter, just as long as it isn't Jesus Christ. This is why the terms like faith-based worship, freedom of religion, interfaith, ecumenical, and emergent are no threat to Satan. The great harlot loves multiple lovers. Remember that it is what a whore does best. Whoredom, adultery, and fornication are her specialty. It not only applies to the sexual realm of humanity, but certainly applies to the religious beliefs of the pluralistic society that she represents. One of the primary ways she reduces the world to serve herself is by breaking down God's laws and mandates in the sacredness of marriage. As soon as the world dissolves the institution of marriage, it will be prepared for her method of service. The next time you hear an attack on marriage by way of divorce, remarriage, or same-sex marriages, think of this. Most Christians view divorce like it is some kind of heavenly option to grant them the right to be happy. I'm not purposing to insult any divorced Christian, but I am putting into perspective the original design of God's purpose of earthly marriages which is Christ's marriage to the church. When he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, that was even said clear back in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. He was communicating the permanence of marriage on earth as it is in heaven. In this chapter, we see this woman turn the world leaders' hearts and minds and their followers to be committed to their idols of preference. She is the mother of all of the faiths that don't serve Jesus Christ directly. She is good at what she does, I can assure you that, for she has been doing it since the days of Cain. She is consistently trying to offer sacrifices that do not matter to God. She oversees every faith that does not give Jesus Christ his rightful place or believes the word of God is absolute. When exactly did this woman gain a reputation of being a superpower? We are given the answer in chapter 10 and 11 of the book of Genesis. It all started in the Garden of Eden, but we have significant coverage of her beastie works at the beginning of the kingdom of Nimrod. He was the grandson of Ham, the cursed son of Noah. She worked to form the superpower of Babel, later known as the great city of Babylon. In this land of Shinar, the people of the earth dwelt and were united in one language, governance, and power. The word shows us these people all came together under the leadership of Nimrod which translates in Hebrew as a rebellious panther. 
His name clearly defines what he was, and he became the first representative of the Antichrist. If you remember, he suggested that the people build a city and tower to reach up to heaven. We aren't told what he would have done if he would have accomplished this mission, but we do know he was intent on forming his way to heaven by the effort of one man's leadership. Let's take a closer look at Nimrod, who was called a mighty man. Nimrod was a mighty man and extremely gifted at leading. He enslaved many people and made them work for him. His mission didn't have much to do with the freedom of worship of the people, but rather he was focused on proving his point to God. One thing he did do was allow each worker to serve any god of their choice. He didn't care about the object of their worship. He just wanted them to adopt his mission of rising up against the knowledge of God. He did this through the vain philosophy of freedom of religion. His plan did work, at least for a while. He became the first earthly king. He was the first man in recorded history to form a tyranny system under the banner of freedom of worship. Nimrod's eyes were not fixed upon the earthly kingdom, but rather on the big golden crown in heaven. Although he did use his earthly kingdom to get that Tower of Babel built. Was Nimrod a smart man, or was he just stupid as Satan? I vote for the latter. After all, what would he have done if he would have been able to build a tower as tall as heaven? Did he think that he could take on the God of the universe? The parallels between Nimrod and Satan are almost mind-bending. How many Christians have asked the question regarding the stupidity of Satan? Hasn't Satan learned by now that he can't win with God? I'm afraid not. What about the second woman in the Tower of Babel? Well, history goes further to show us that Nimrod made a great statue of his wife, Ceramus, and set this idol up in the capital of his empire. That capital became the ever-so-popular Babylon. Babel's word means gate to God. In the Hebrew word, there is a clear reference that this is not the gateway to the God of heaven. This leaves us with a covert confession that his tower was a gateway to him being a God, which proved itself out by the people falling and worshiping the statue of his wife that he placed in the temple of worship. He was completely rebellious against God. Without a doubt, this is the beginning of the rule and superpower of the great harlot. He became the first antichrist of a new religion, government, and system of idolatry. From that day forward, idol worship became the most popular form of defying the true God of the universe. In case you haven't read the records of Nimrod, God stopped the building of this city and tower and scattered the people to the four corners of the earth. 
He accomplished this by confusing them by placing a different language in the mouths of each of the groups that followed Nimrod. This idolatry problem continued throughout the earth, even to this day, because each of these groups brought the nasty habit of worshipping the sun, moon, trees, snakes, cows, you name it, into their new worlds. If you look closely, you will see some of these idols and images in the homes and churches of many of our so-called Christians. The spirit of Nimrod is alive and well today. The sun worshippers are still on the beaches. Scientists are still building towers into the heavens. And humans are still trying to prove they have evolved from their fruitless speculations. All forms of idolatry to God. What is even more relevant to our study... Governments are still working to accomplish a one-world language, government, and religion. Nimrod's Babylon is back, according to the book of Revelation, or should I say, getting ready to come out of the closet. The old city of Babylon is about to show its face one more time. God will force it to stay out of the closet until the king of kings Jesus Christ comes to eliminate it permanently. In conclusion, I will ask you the same thing that the angel asked John. Why do you wonder? This scarlet woman will ride out and there is nothing you or I can do about it. For the body of Christ to accept these truths will depend on if she accepts or rejects the absolutes of God's Word. We live in a culture today where people ask stupid questions. They seem to be trapped by the secondary issues of the book of Revelation while ignoring the primary message God was delivering through it. Now living in an opinion-dominant culture, we need to accept the simple fact that the book of Revelation is God revealing His Son to the world through the end times. This isn't about you. It's not about your church. It's not about your belief system. It is all about God's belief system being revealed to humanity in what appears to be a very harsh message. If you don't remember to keep in place This simple fact, Revelation is God's testimony of revealing to humanity the wrath that he stored up and promised to pour out onto all of those who refuted his son Jesus Christ and the gospel that he presented, the way into heaven, is not through a tower of Babel. It is only through Jesus Christ himself. Coming up next, we're going to be discussing the harlot's power and how it comes to an end. It's going to be out of Revelation 17, verses 8 through 18. Thus far, we've learned this scarlet woman is marked as a harlot and is the mother of all harlots. She was born under Nimrod and ancient Babylon's leadership and was drunk with the saint's blood. 
She has worked to eliminate the true bloodline believers of Jesus Christ since the day they put that first brick in place to build the Tower of Babel. So this woman is responsible for all the dead in Christ who were murdered for the sake of the real gospel. She is the figurehead of all religions, from Africa's jungles to the emergent Christian church of Western civilization. She has supervised the Ten Kings and has influenced every nation, religion, and people that stray from the absolutes of God's mandates. We need to talk more about this. In fact, in this particular passage, God reveals to us how he brings an end to the great harlot. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you stay with our series. We have some very powerful truths to unfold for you. Until next time.